Hello, I'm Rashmi Becker and this is Conversations with Carers, a series where we look at the stories of those that dedicate their lives to caring for others. There are almost 7 million carers in the UK. Some work on the front line of social care, others are unpaid carers for family members that need support because of health conditions, age or disability. Each day in the UK, 6,000 people take on a caring responsibility. I'll be talking to just some of them about what it really means to care. Today's guest is Max Cookwood. Max grew up with two disabled brothers and has been an informal carer all his life. My older brother is four years older than me and yeah, his autism diagnosis actually came quite late. So I wasn't very aware when I was younger about his needs and I think my family perhaps weren't as aware as they could have been. I also think 25 years ago when he was born, it was less support there. Um, for my younger brother, he was born when I was 10 years old with um, immediately obvious um, healthcare needs. He was born with Down syndrome and his heart condition and also a lung condition. And then later we realised that he had autism as well in the past few years. Yeah, it was a very dynamic house growing up. Lots of yeah different needs and lots of beautiful energies as well. I have two mums as well, which was also an interesting dynamic on top of that. So same-sex parents, three brothers, <laughs> two of which were disabled, one of which was a queer dancer. So <laughs> yeah, it was quite a crazy house. And what was that like for you? Because you said in a way you've not known anything else. As a 10-year-old, having a younger brother, especially with the sort of health needs that you've said, what was that like for you in terms of your childhood? I think it, it forced me to grow up very quickly in a way, which has reaped positive and negative rewards for me in my life now. So I sort of learned what it was like to experience like intense love for someone who was very vulnerable at quite a young age, which has made me like a very receptive person to how people um, are in terms of their health and like their needs. Like I feel like my um, receptors are very like attuned to how people are doing because I saw like my parents also um, like sort of struggle through that time. But yeah, like ultimately it's been like a really enriching experience, I guess, because I've been able to, yeah, like see like a different side of like humanity and I was in hospital so much when I was younger and saw like the amazing work that like nurses did. What what does that look like having to grow up quicker? Immediately I was yeah like I spent the first 10 weeks of Lau's life in hospital like I'd go in there every day like making sure he was okay. Um, I sort of didn't have the time to be selfish I couldn't assert my needs as much as I think a lot of other 10-year-olds could. I had to just sort of be there, be strong. Um, I very quickly learned how to suppress a lot of my emotions, um, which I'm working through now, um, trying to make sure I'm, like, truly thinking what it is I'm feeling and acting on it. Because when you're a 10-year-old and you see that your parents and your family are in distress, you sort of become very... um, Yeah, you become, like, a bit of, like, a people-pleaser. You're trying to make sure everyone's happy... So I think in that sense, I had to grow up very quickly and become, yeah, just very mature in a lot of ways, you know, just being able to say yes, like, okay, I can't do this today, that's fine. And then I think that meant that I actually became a lot more rebellious and naughty in school. So at home, I was like the golden boy, like really good for my parents, didn't want to upset them. 
Um, and then I'd go into school and I'd like let out all my anger, <laughs> which was not the best, um, but natural. Yeah, I can see why that happened now. Outside the home, were there, was there anyone you could talk to? And what did life look like outside the home? Yeah, I think it was it was quite difficult because I was also going on like, I mean, I was starting my journey as a dancer and realising more that I was queer and I felt very different to the kids at school at that age anyway. And then on top of that, I also had my whole family drama. So there was, there was very few people that I felt like I was connected to in those like 10, from the ages of like 10 to 14. But yeah, dancing got me through it. Like I've always loved dancing and that was like an escape for me. So I sort of learned from a young age how to look after myself and have fun on my own. And like, I think I found my own company, like a very um, safe space. So I knew that I could go and dance or I could go and like be in my bedroom and I learned how to, yeah, look after myself in that sense. So (laughs) yeah, it's kind of bleak, but (laughs) I also had a few very close friends Mm -hmm which I'm, yeah, really grateful for. And my grandparents were amazing. And as a as a child, what sort of support do you feel you had to provide? So there's a lot of people are in formal carers. So you had the formal carers in the form of your parents. But do you think you had to take on any sort of informal carer when it came to looking after especially your younger brother? Yeah, definitely. Um so he was in and out of hospital for the first few years of his life. And then eventually when he did come home, we had like nurses living in the house. And at that time, I started to train up in his tracheostomy care, which was, yes, yeah, so you had like a tube in his throat and I'd learn how to suction him. I'd learn how to put the ventilator on, how to do all like the machine things. So my parents could go out and I could look after him on my own. Um, I also he had a gastrostomy, which was like a tube in his stomach where we'd administer water and medicines so I like learned how to do all of these things but then there's also the side of caring which was just fun and like playing with him and yeah I learned Makaton sign language in his early years so I helped communicate him with with him through that and yeah I think there's a lot of different ways that I was more than just a brother to him and still am more than just a brother to him and it's hard to sometimes identify what they are because they're so ingrained in our relationship now but I think it's just a, yeah, it's a level of knowing that Lyle's more vulnerable than me. I don't always have the ability to assert my needs and be an angry brother at him. You know, I have to be there for him, listen to what his needs are, adapt in that sense. So I guess that's like also how I care for him and how our relationship is different to perhaps normal siblings who can fight. <laughs> yeah. And and how do you think that environment affected your relationship with your parents, for example, and having that sort of, in inverted comma, more normal relationship with a parent? Yeah, my relationship with my parents has gone on a whole journey since I was 10. Because I had quite a, I mean, although I had same-sex parents, like, my first 10 years of my life were relatively normal. Like, we, we had a bit more money, and it was, like, a bit more comfortable. But when my brother came onto the scene both my parents stopped working we were living like predominantly off benefit so my relationship with them became yeah a lot more distant in a way like they were very caring for me and they were always supportive of my dancing but I suddenly felt less like I could rely on them perhaps and more that I was like trying to be the glue that was like holding them together because obviously their their relationship also suffered um, as a result of Lyle coming onto the scene. 
Um, so yeah, my relationship with them, it has been challenging. Yeah, it's definitely hard to watch your parents go through that and also maintain like a age appropriate relationship, I guess, with them when you're watching all of this go on. And emotionally, especially as a child, how did you cope with that growing up? I think at the time I, yeah, when my brother was ill and first came into the world, I found it hard to express how I was truly feeling. So I think I buried a lot of feelings at that age, sort of just trying to get on with it. And I've realised over the past few years, like those feelings have started to creep up on me a bit more. So I guess something I'd say to kids who are younger or anyone who's a sibling of someone with disabilities, like to really check in with yourself and say like what it is that you are feeling and how you know you deserve to attend to those needs just as much as someone who has like really physical or obvious needs um because now I'm sort of dealing with those suppressed things I was feeling in the past which is also a really great experience and I'm really glad that I'm doing that now and haven't left it till I'm much older. And what coping mechanisms did you have? Aside from dancing, I remember going to some, like, sibling support groups when I was younger, which were, like, helpful. I think, like, everyone responds to them quite differently because everyone's probably experiencing quite a challenging home life within those groups. But it was really nice to meet other kids who were like me. As an adult, what made you think about talking to someone and seeking therapy for for your experiences? I think space... From I mean, I left home at 16 to go and train as a dancer. And I think it's been like five years since then. And that five years, I've started to have the distance to be able to understand what my life is like now and also to look back and say, oh, wow, like that was so different. Um, And also things have crept up on me in my life now. I've sort of had to go inward and be like oh why why am I thinking this why am why do I have these behaviors towards people like what is all this why am I struggling with this aspect of my life and when I've looked into why that might be happening I've realized oh it's because of this happening to me when I was 10 and my little brother was born you know there's so many like learned behaviors that I have to work through now can you maybe give some examples of what that looks like yeah so like for me I've understood that I have been dealing with like codependency issues so for instance I've not been able to identify what my own needs are because I'm trying to make sure everyone around me is okay and that's now started to affect like my personal relationships and stuff so when I sort of realized that that was linked to the fact that when I was younger I had to be there for my mums and I couldn't listen to what it was that I needed. And it's interesting what you say about having to think about your mother's mental health and and being aware of that. And I can definitely relate to that, being a sibling to a disabled brother as well. How do you think that has affected you again as an adult in terms of relationships now? I feel like um, when you grow up really fast when you're a kid, you suddenly have this expectation of yourself in adulthood that you can deal with things in the same way 
And I think that I was sort of walked into my 20s, been very like, oh, I dealt with all of that and I'm absolutely fine and nothing, nothing, you know, I'm actually like dealt with that with such ease. And now I'm like, oh, no, no, I didn't. Like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> I actually have to deal with all of that now. And I think, yeah, my relationship with my mum's is something that I'm working through a lot, trying to understand how to love them and not resent them. You know, like, it wasn't their fault that any of this happened, and I completely understand that. However, my childhood was not normal, and my teenage years were tainted with a lot of trauma, I guess, as well. So just working through that and um, acknowledging that that happened to me, and it's not going to define who I am. And I still had so many wonderful experiences, and I'm a better person for what happened. A lot of siblings will be experiencing this, especially younger siblings, Looking back on your experience, what advice would you give to siblings in a similar position? I would say just remember your parents are human and all adults, although like when you're a kid, you look up to them and assume that they've got everything together. They didn't know what to do. They were going through, you know, such a difficult time. I guess a level of compassion there is very necessary. Yeah, if you feel you need to take space from your family situation, um, you deserve that. Like, that's really valid. And it's hard sometimes when you've been a carer for someone vulnerable to step away and be like, no, what do I need? Maybe I need to take some space right now. But that's really important because if you can't look after yourself and really take care of yourself, then you can't care for that person in the way that they deserve. So I think that's really important. And that's something I'm learning as well. Um, I think I was, I went home during lockdown to help care for my younger brother with my mum's. But now I'm back and I'm living my life and I'm like, do you know what, Max, this is your 20s. Like, you've got so many amazing things going on. Like, you deserve to commit to them at this stage in your life. Because I also know that in the future I will have to have a, a more intense caring role for my younger brother when my parents pass. So right now live your life you know <laughs> like um so yeah I'm just sort of taking ownership of that and I would say to other young adults and people who have been carers as children like take the time for yourself if you can and if you can't see how you might be able to assert your needs if you need to put boundaries in place with your parents or with anyone else in your life I would say that it's really important to do that and it's interesting that you are thinking about the fact that you may have to become the carer for your younger brother you know, when your parents aren't around anymore. What's that like to sort of be, to understand that that's a role you'll have to take on later in life? And how does that affect how you live your life? It's a whole jumble of emotions. There's no part of me that doesn't want to be that person for my younger brother but it's also hard right now to know what the future looks like for him with his development whether he'll need supported living whether he'll be independent like whether yeah just like what what his life will look like when he enters his 20s and 30s and what my life will look like when I'm yeah in my 30s and 40s like and yeah, I'm, I am really looking forward to having him in my life. I love him more than anyone else. And my, like, closeness with him is... Uh, yeah, I have such a strong bond with my younger brother. And, you know, I always want to be there for him. However, my future looks different to the other people who are my age. They're like, 
oh, you know, I'm just going to, like, travel when I'm older and, like, do all these things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm like, well, I'm probably going to have to adapt my life, you know, for my younger brother. And no part of me resents Lyle for that. I love him for that. And that's that's something I do feel very at peace with. However, it's different. Again, I'm my life looks different to other people my age. What do you think generally is the sort of perception of disabled people and that understanding of the sort of support they need more generally in society? I operate a lot in the dance industry and from my perception a lot of people just like to think that disabled people don't exist (laughs) or when you do speak about disabled people they're sort of like oh well I've never really like interact you know there's this really like these are like elite dancing bodies that get paid to do incredible things and I have to work with these people daily and it's amazing in many ways and they're also creative and they understand that people are different however a lot of people just don't have the um yeah the same life experience that I do and that means that I'm often an advocate in these spaces for instance I had an experience when I was working for an elite dance company in the UK where someone used a really negative word describing someone who was disabled to um, basically shame someone for how they were doing a dance move, if that makes sense. And I was like having none of it. And I like blew up and I was like, you can't use that word. Like, yeah. So basically I educated everyone in that environment and people were a lot more understanding. I then explained what my home life was like and, you know, people were understanding. And I think that changed that space in that brief moment. And hopefully I can leave a legacy of teaching people about alternative bodies um, in these spaces as I keep working through them in my career. Um, But yeah, I'd say to people, no matter what line of work you're in or what your life looks like, just don't be afraid to be proud of knowing someone who's disabled. Don't be afraid of sharing what that experience is like, honestly, because people need to hear it and people can't just act like it doesn't happen or act like it doesn't exist because it does exist. And these people can teach you more than you know and these people are more inspiring than you can imagine. We've talked about a lot of the more sort of serious and emotional things growing up with a sibling with with um, high needs and with health needs. Can you talk about the joy that you had mentioned? So the time to play, um, what you think you've gained from growing up in a a house that's uh, different, as you said, Uh, What are the things that people might not understand about how growing up with a disabled sibling can be enriching as well? I think it is probably like the single most enriching part of my life is having my younger brother. And it just, it brings when you see someone unapologetically be themselves, it's just... For me, it's just fascinating and it's beautiful and it teaches me how to do more of what I want and to be less apologetic for who I am. Because my little brother just walks around this world doing exactly what they want to do, just speaking to people with so much enthusiasm, just having so much like love for life. And yes, it's different. And yes, they are obsessed with bowling and it can be kind of annoying, <laughs> but it's also just <laughs> amazing to watch someone who like isn't, conditioned by society and isn't like 
yeah, I think it's just beautiful. And that brings me so much joy and just being able to walk around like my hometown with Lyle and Lyle's just like, hello, hello, speaking to everyone. And I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> like, I wouldn't never normally do that. But Lyle, you know, brings me to be more open with people and to speak more to people in the street. And yeah, it's just always the star of like any room that he's in. And that's just really special. And also my older brother with his autism, like he is one of the most remarkable people I know. He's just also unapologetically himself and just seeing how he's like integrated into society and um, shows people how to be himself. And yeah, he's he's just amazing as well. And I'm very admirable of both of my brothers um and yeah I want to be more like them in many ways and and when you look to the future with them in mind do you have any worries for them yes (laughs) absolutely it can be quite overwhelming to think about especially for my little brother like what's going to happen when my parents pass um there's still like quite a long time hopefully but it's going to happen you know that's like the inevitable future that's something I'm you know, there's so many things I'm uncertain about in my life, but the one thing I do know is that, like, me and my brother are going to be together, like, as old men. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I just I just want him to be happy, you know, just as happy, if not more happy than he is now, and I want him to have all the opportunities that he deserves, and for every other disabled person, I want the best for them all. So, yeah, it it can be quite daunting when you hear things about funding or spaces or all these different things that aren't, that are changing. And hopefully I can be a part of making them better. Yeah, it is daunting. It's always going to be daunting, but I can't let it um, overwhelm me. I just have to put in my efforts to make the world a better place and be there for the people I care about. And hopefully it'll all be fine. And and with your dance, where do you see or where would you like to see your career going amidst what you've just said, bearing in mind your caring role as well? You know, I often think it's it's kind of sad, but like I think it's quite natural as someone who is like a carer. Like, what would my life be like if these people weren't in my life? You know, what would I be doing had I not have these like ties to people? And I want to do all those things, but I also want to bring... Lyle into those spaces perhaps like have a dance company one day and like properly integrate disabled dancers into that not as a this is a disabled dance company that outside of like you know in quotes normal dance like it's not like that I just think that these people can enhance these spaces more than people realize and on every step of my career as a dancer and whatever else that takes me into I want to be mindful of where I came from and what what my values are and how I can bring them into that because that's more important to me than achieving yeah these things because that's why I dance you know I dance because I love it and because it's beautiful and I think everybody has the capability to do it and I want to yeah keep that in my career. This was Conversations with Carers with Rashmi Becker and guest Max Cookwood. I want to thank Max for sharing his experience growing up with two disabled brothers and the informal care role he's provided throughout his life. In the UK, there are over half a million young siblings and at least 1.7 million adult siblings who have grown up with a disabled brother or sister. 
Max talked about supporting his younger brother's physical needs as a child, alongside providing emotional support to his mother's. He recognises his future role as his brother's main carer, and reflected on how this impacts his own choices and approach in life. Siblings play a huge role in the lives of their disabled brothers and sisters. However, this can impact their own education, relationships and well-being. For Max, this meant having to grow up fast, something he is now coming to terms with. Conversations with Carers is produced by Sophie King. Thank you for listening.